It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. The cannabis industry changes daily, and with my multiple projects and side hustles, it's really hard for me to stay on top of my reading. So I thought for today's podcast, we'd kill two birds with one stone and do a little industry roundup. Not only will it help me do my homework and find out what's happening in the world of cannabis, but it will also give you a better sense of how the legalization movement is progressing. First out of the gate, I'm throwing up in my mouth over former House Speaker John Boehner jumping on the cannabis legalization bandwagon claiming his position on cannabis has evolved as he conveniently joins the board of Acreage Holdings, a cannabis investment group. I'm of the belief that anybody who truly believes in cannabis as a healing plant and not solely as a cash crop wouldn't have a hypocrite like Boehner on the board. The optics look fishy as fuck, but whatever, we all have the right to change our mind. For my Texas peeps, and you Californians jonesing for your pot living in Texas, (laughs) most of you know the very first consumer-facing medical cannabis dispensary is now open in Manshack, Texas, right outside of Austin. Of course, there are serious restrictions to gaining access. Texas law restricts CBD-dominant medical cannabis to patients suffering intractable epilepsy, and even then, they need a prescription from not one, 
but two doctors. And there are only 18 licensed physicians statewide to prescribe the approved CBD oil. Another interesting note is that doctors may only write these CBD prescriptions after certifying that treatment with two different FDA-approved epilepsy medications has failed. This CBD cannabis law affects less than 1% of the Texas population. That translates to 160,000 Texans suffering from intractable epilepsy. And those poor souls are spread out across a landmass of 269,000 square miles. As a country girl from West Texas who has spent 12 hours driving a car without leaving the state, I can tell you most of that land is rural. The prescribing physicians practice in large cities, and there are only three dispensaries that have been approved in the entire state. So it's not an ideal scenario, but it is progress. So way to go, Texas. Giddy up for baby steps. If you want to get involved and learn more about moving the needle on cannabis legalization in the Lone Star State, engage with the Texas Cannabis Industry Association. They will keep you informed and provide actionable steps to take in your community. Our Canadian neighbors to the north are in process of rolling out their adult use market. The current legal cannabis market forecast for Canada in 2018 is 1.4 billion US dollars, growing to 7.7 billion US dollars in 2025. Canadian cannabis companies are already playing an influential role in the international cannabis scene, and countries like Israel are catching headlines as they move closer to permitting the export of medical cannabis products. Not flour, but products. While the rest of the world gains their footing in the international cannabis scene, the U.S. teeters back and forth under an unfocused and incompetent administration. On Wednesday, President Trump promised to support legislation protecting the cannabis industry in states that have legalized the plant. Of course, this coming from a man that changes his mind more than his underwear. But if genuine... This shift could lift a threat to the industry made by the U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions just three months ago. In California, the state expects to bring in $5.1 billion in tax revenue during this first year of adult use, while only 1% of the U.S. banks are currently doing business with our industry. Besides the lack of banking support, another major hot button in the U.S. cannabis industry as a whole is the lack of a universal standard for cannabis testing. Because cannabis is federally illegal, there are no nationwide standards, so testing regulations vary from state to state. In the normal world, for food commodities such as almonds and avocados and other types of produce— the Environmental Protection Agency sets tolerance levels, and the FDA, along with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, enforces those levels. As long as cannabis is a Schedule I drug, testing labs are deprived of the federal standardization and regulatory support. 
So these state testing labs are one of the most critical components in the seed-to-sale cycle of the cannabis plant, not only for the companies manufacturing the products, but also for you and me as consumers. In case you're not familiar with the various components included in the cannabis flower and cannabis product testing, let's do a quick breakdown. Lab tests for two broad categories, potency and contaminants. Under the potency umbrella, labs test for the presence and percentage of cannabinoids and terpenes. In case you haven't signed up for your free cannabis class at casuallybake.com, cannabinoids are THC, CBD, THCA, CBDA, CBN, CBG, CBC, and the like. The labs also test for terpenes, which are the essential oils of the cannabis plant. So we're talking things like beta-caryophylline, alpha-pinene, myrcene, linalool, and on and on. The presence and potency of terpenes produce the flower's unique fragrance and an entourage of additional medicinal benefits. Now, under the contaminants umbrella, lab testing also identifies organic solvents like butane, propane, isopropanol, and acetone, which are used to extract cannabinoids and terpenes from the plant material. Now, most of these solvents evaporate or are purged using heat or vacuum, but it's extremely difficult to purge them completely. Fortunately, lab tests determine whether solvent residue is at or below safe levels. Pesticide levels, which can be really harmful to children and people with compromised immune systems, are also included in the testing process. Cannabis and hemp both leach whatever's in the soil while they're growing. So arsenic, mercury, lead, Cadmium and other elements migrate into the plant tissue from the soil and groundwater. Our bodies absorb heavy metals much faster than they eliminate them. So repeated ingestion or inhalation of even small amounts can be toxic. And finally, the labs test for microbial contaminants, including mold, mildew, bacteria, yeast, mysotoxins produced by fungus, and aflatoxins produced by certain molds, which can cause everything from allergic reactions to organ damage and cancer. All that said, you can see how important it is to have standardized regulations on testing. And to get there, we need federally funded cannabis research. But we can't have that until we get cannabis off the Fed's Schedule 1 drug list. Rattle the cages of your local and state officials to embrace the benefits of cannabis for wellness. We've got to take the bottoms-up approach to legalization for our own health. This next update is for all of my favorite people who love visiting Sin City. If you visit Las Vegas and want to consume and have never experienced cannabis, or maybe you've never experienced the dispensary shopping experience, I encourage you to check out New Woo Cannabis Marketplace. That's spelled N-U-W-U. It is an almost 16,000 square foot dispensary, and it's open until midnight during the week, 2 a.m. on the weekends, and it has Nevada's very first 24-hour cannabis drive through 
Now, I haven't been, but it sounds like the Disneyland of dope to me. Okay, so I'm sidetracking for a moment. This has nothing to do with cannabis, but I recently had a big win for future Joe I want to tell you about. I came up with an excellent solution for an issue I've been having on my daily outings. Now that I live in downtown Oakland, I am around a much larger homeless population than I'm used to. And my heart is giant and it breaks every time someone asks me for help or money and I'm carrying around a phone, keys, and a debit card. So I started collecting loose change and dollar bills in a jar by my keys. And every time I leave the house, I put some change or a dollar bill in each pocket so that I can give some love to at least two homeless people while I'm out. It feels so good to be able to do that because normally I'm like, uh, sorry, I don't have any money on me. And I feel really guilty because frankly, I don't care what they need the money for. Maybe they need booze. Maybe they need crack. Maybe they really are trying to buy a fucking hot dog. The point is, I have to have 47 jobs to live and keep a roof over my head in the Bay Area. So if someone's out on the street asking for money, you bet your sweet ass they need it. And yes, you can have my dollar. I started doing this just a couple of days ago and gave my first dollar to a girl on BART who was carrying a baby and a sign that said, single mom, need help. She looked well-kept. The baby looked very healthy. And I don't think she was loving walking up and down train cars begging. I'm sure she would have rather been in school. And frankly, that didn't seem like her baby. I think it was her little sibling or something. But it didn't matter either way. The girl was trying to keep a roof over her family's head. I was the only person that gave her the time of day. But if I hadn't put those two $1 bills in each of my front pockets before I left the house, I would have been just like the other people. I was standing up in the handicapped space near the sliding door she'd entered. A petite teenage girl with a diaper bag, baby, and cardboard sign. She pushed the sign towards people, and they'd shake their heads no and look away. I was really high and smiling from ear to ear as she approached me. I mean, I was full on beaming with joy because I was about to be her yes customer. And I knew it was going to feel as good for me as it was for her. I enthusiastically pulled the $1 out of my pocket handed it to her without her ever looking at me as she crumbled up the bill and tucked it away. I was kind of deflated for a minute, but I couldn't blame her for not giving me the reaction I wanted in return. It was somber observing her throughout the train. Nobody else had a magic dollar in their pocket. I was sad for her, but it did make me feel good that I'd prepped myself to help. You should give it a shot. I promise, it really does feel outstanding. And it's not like you're going to be hemorrhaging money. I came home with the other dollar bill still in my pocket that evening. You've heard me whine before about the woes of living alone, leading to hug deficiency. (laughs) Hugs are the vitamin D for our emotional wellness, in my opinion. And along with that human touch, people need acknowledgement and care. If you'd rather donate time over money, occasionally volunteer at your local soup kitchen or shelter. Whatever you do, 
Don't ignore the not-so-lovely side of your community. Do something about it. Even the littlest things can make a really big difference. And that reminds me of one of those feel-good things I recently read about in the cannabis industry. I enjoy seeing all of the innovative ways companies are giving back to their communities. In our current world, philanthropy is a critical component of business. I'm of the opinion that if you can give back, then you should. The NorCal cannabis brand Bloom Farms incorporated a community-focused one-for-one program into their business model. They donate meals to food-insecure people and families in the area. In January, they reached their goal of selling 1 million products, which means they donated 1 million meals to people in need. As a consumer, it doesn't seem like much in the moment when you're out shopping and buying that concentrate pod or gram of flour or whatever, but collective buying power has an incredible compounding impact. I encourage you to find and support brands that support the community. This weekend, I was able to see a version of that on a massive scale, focused on the empowerment of small family cannabis farms. I joined some industry friends in the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the Flow Cannabis Institute in the heart of Mendocino County. Bay Area brand Flow Kana purchased an 80-acre property once occupied by the Fetzer Family Winery and has imagined Northern California's premier cannabis processing center for Emerald Triangle Craft Farms. At a critical juncture where the financial power of big money, big pharma, tobacco, and alcohol entities threaten to eclipse the craft farming pioneers who have spent their lives creating the California cannabis industry, the Flow Cannabis Institute is bringing all of the pieces of the supply chain together under one roof to provide support, guidance, and security to farmers who lack the business acumen and financials to compete on a large scale. After the facilities tour, we retired to the Big Dog Saloon on the property and bellied up to the longest bar in Mendocino County to sample flour from some of the Emerald Triangle's finest. A bar full of bud and not booze was such a beautiful thing to see and definitely a glimpse into the future of the ever-evolving cannabis culture. If you're looking for a Main Street view of the national cannabis scene, pick up a copy of the Newsweek special edition called Weed Nation on newsstands now. Besides great articles, weed porn, and Jeff Sessions bashing, I enjoyed learning a few fun cannafactoids like this. Studies show that cannabis users eat, on average, 600 more calories per day than non-users. However, rates of obesity are 33% lower in cannabis users. The most expensive city to buy weed is Tokyo, with an average price of more than $32.66 per gram. To put that in perspective, I checked out some flower sales numbers from BDS Analytics. The 2017 rough pre-tax price per gram in Colorado was $6.65, $5.18 in Washington, roughly $8 in Oregon, and $9 and some change in California. I'll leave you with this final stat from the Cato Institute. 
The continued prohibition of cannabis in the U.S. costs state and federal governments more than $17 billion every year. Yeah, that's staggering. I encourage you to impress at your next dinner party by dropping some cannabis knowledge and opening an intelligent conversation around the importance of evolving our collective thinking around cannabis. Cannabis should be used as a healing plant rather than a pawn, perpetuating poverty and discrimination in this country. You got your face fixed up nice with all those little, little colored lights. You got those records that spin around and round. Gonna spin, spin, spin till we get home. I hope you learned something new this week. I know I sure did. Don't forget to rate and review Casually Baked the Podcast and share your favorite episode with a friend. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, produced, edited by the team of Just Joe. Our theme music is by my handsome and fabulous friend Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with his music, check out his latest album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you are buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Not sure of the legal status of cannabis in your state? I found a great interactive map on the Civilized website that they claim to keep up to date with state laws across the country. I'll share the link in the podcast show notes at casuallybaked.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.